0: Good morning, everybody. Boy, that was weak. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Much better. My name's Eric. Welcome to E3 if this is your first time. I, I'm actually uh, the pastor of musical worship, but I, I've been known to teach a bit and do other things as well. And, and if this is your first time with us, I just want to say welcome. I hope you got some, some coffee and, and, uh, and, and a place to, to sit and everything. Um, I want to start off this morning by tell you a, telling you a story about a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Larry. Larry was a guy uh, I worked with uh, when I first started in ministry. I was uh, 29, and I got my first church job, and Larry worked with me. He was about anywhere between 15, 20 years older than, than I was, and, and everybody that I worked with was sort of the same age as I was, if not younger. So Larry was, was quite a bit older than we were. Larry was an amazing pastor and shepherd. And what I mean by that is that there was a group of guys that Larry sort of took care of. And these guys, probably 10, 12 of them, like Larry protected them if they were kind of straying off into danger, if they were getting out of line, Larry sort of brought the hammer down on them. He called them to to a, a higher level of living called them to, to a way of living that was really modeled after Jesus. And Larry was extraordinarily gifted at what he did. Everyone just said, like, you just did not mess with Larry's guys. And and Larry was was really, really interesting because this ministry, this place in the church that we worked at, we, we did ministry to people kind of in their uh, mid-20s to, to mid-30s. And it was... Uh, it was a ministry that was really sort of unique in the whole country at the time. Nobody was doing what we were doing. It was, it was rock and roll. It was hip. It was uh, innovative. And Larry was sort of none of these things. He was kind of this uh, kind of overweight guy that, uh, that wasn't really like clued in to, to hip music or anything like that. He was really unathletic. Um, just no, like if you looked at him, you would never have matched him up with the ministry that he was doing, except for one fact, that Larry was really, really good at what he did. He knew exactly what God had called him to do, and he did it. And he kind of just didn't care about the externalities, and everyone kind of just knew that there was something real and something different about him. Now, Larry could kind of do this because of an extraordinary life circumstance. When Larry was, I think, in his 20s and maybe early 30s, I think he worked for IBM. Um, And somewhere along the line, he got some very lucrative stock options. And about somewhere in his mid to late 30s, Larry decided to retire. And he cashed in his stock options and sort of moved his money around, and he had saved meticulously. And when he did that, he went to the church that that we were all a part of. This was before my time there. But he went to this church and he said, I want to be an unpaid, full-time staff member. I want to come and I want to do what God has given me to do. I'm not going to be a free agent. I'm going to be a staff member. I will be accountable to you. I will do what is asked me. I will come. I will be there for at least 40 hours a week. You don't have to pay me. I've arranged my life so that I can do this, because this is what I feel like God is calling me to. Larry asked that the church would, would provide health insurance for him, and so they did. And this is what Larry did, and he had been on staff at the church for a while doing this. And then uh, when, when our ministry kind of took off, he, he, he asked to be transferred over to where we worked, and, and he joined us there. And we all kind of learned from him. Uh, he had been doing it a while, we were just kind of figuring things out. And he was so awesome to just be around, so inspiring. One night, I remember uh, being at a staff retreat, and which when we just kind of all went to went away as a staff and talked about what we were doing. And one night, we were sitting in a kitchen at at a house in Wisconsin somewhere. This was in Illinois. Uh, where the church was. We were in Wisconsin and, and Larry was sitting there and, and I really had seldom, a uh, few interactions with Larry because I did music and, and lived in that world and Larry just, he, you know, he wasn't a music guy. But he sat there one night and he said, I want you to tell me, Eric, what you dream about. When you think of music and when you think of God and when you think of the way God has wired you up, Eric, tell me what your dreams are. Tell me what your hopes are. And here is this guy who, who in a sense, I, I had nothing in common with. I could reference bands and just this blank look across his face. He's like, Yeah, nope, nope, I got nothing. Um, but he just asked, he's just just tell me what your dreams are. And so I, he would just let me rattle on, you know, for, for an hour till it was way, way too late. And um and, and that's kind of the way we shared life together. And, I respected what he did and and admired him for that. Now, I want to kind of say one other thing about about the way Larry lived his life. You see, when I say things like stock options and I say things like early retirement, you instantly instantly might think that Larry was somehow wealthy. But Larry could do what he did because Larry, like, never wore new clothes. If he had clothes, they were given to him. People kind of knew his situation. Larry would eat by going to like bagel shops or, or grocery stores and saying, hey, I know you guys have like expired bread. Um, can, I, can I have it or just buy it? Larry, uh, Larry just had no shame in all of the right ways. He said, this is the way I want to live my life. So if it means asking people for food that, that is old, that other people won't eat, I'll eat it because this is what I want to do with my life. And that's the type of person that Larry was. Um, Annually, our church would take everybody who was leading something, everybody who was a small group leader or or a staff member or leading some kind of ministry, they would take us away for a weekend just to to teach us, to let us worship together, to let us be together. And uh, one particular year, in 1999, we went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we were going to be there from Friday night to Sunday afternoon. Just all of us, hundreds of us together. And our little ministry kind of went up there together. Friday night, we, we sat and we worshiped together. And our pastor taught us about, I remember teaching us about pathways to God, about how we were all wired up. For God to speak to us in unique ways, that some of us find God in nature, some of us find God in art, some of us find God in community, and that's great. Go with those things, our pastor told us, but just be aware of some risks that are associated with pursuing God in that way. So that was Friday night, it was rich. We all went back to our our hotels, and and we we laid down to go to sleep probably way too late. And we were prepared for Saturday morning, you know, when we were just going to continue with this thread of, of learning and being together. So we woke up, and even though Larry was extremely unathletic, a lot of his guys were, and so he would participate as best he could with them. So he went out running with them one day, or this Saturday morning, and they were running, I believe, near the lakefront of Lake Michigan in Milwaukee. Larry was, um, Larry could be really scatterbrained, like there were times when he would just forget what he was doing and, and do something random. It was very ADD, just kind of, you know, kind of all over the place. And so as they were running, Larry wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Maybe he wasn't looking the way he should have been looking. And so as his buddies and him were, and he were running, he didn't, he didn't look when he stepped off of the curb and he got struck by a Milwaukee city bus. And then he got run over by the bus. And so he was there with his guys, and his guys knew that it was bad. It was really bad. And one of them ran to the first building, open building they could find. They called 911. They waited for the ambulance to arrive. And uh, the ambulance came, and, and the paramedics set, to, set about trying to save Larry's life. And they got him in the ambulance, and a couple of the guys, a guy named Dan I know, was, was, was in the ambulance with Larry, and they, 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 they drove to the hospital. But before they got to the hospital, Larry, who hadn't said anything, who hadn't been conscious this entire time, um, at one point he just sits up and he looked at Dan and he said, let me go. I'm ready to go. And with that, Larry passed away. And uh, we were devastated because we didn't know anything about life in this respect. We were all, like I said, in our mid to late 20s and we just didn't, we didn't know how to deal with this. But we set about you know, trying to, to lead our community through it. And we had, we had a memorial service. And I mean like hundreds of people just lined up at this church to stream through. Because Larry had touched so many people's lives by the way he, he lived it. We had, a, we had a second memorial. We called it a life well lived because we just couldn't figure out a better way to encapsulate the choices that Larry made. Just to say that he lived his life really well. And I, 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 I've never shared this story publicly with anybody before. It's something that I treasure. After that time, there was not a week, sometimes, most of the time, not even a day that I did not, that did not go by, that I did not think of Larry Clark and what he meant to my life. To say that one time in my life, I saw somebody make those types of choices and live their life that way. And I was looking at my journals yesterday and just over and over, that's what I want. That's what I want. And I share that, this with you guys this morning because Larry got something that was fundamentally, foundationally true about the Christian life. And it's this, that, that, that doing life with Jesus is not about coming to a church and sitting in a chair or sitting in a pew and hearing a nice message and hearing good music. That it is that, but it is more. That that Christianity, following Jesus, is not about leading something. It's not about belonging to a church or owning a church. It is that, but it's a lot, a lot more. That, That following Jesus is not even about having your priorities radically rearranged. It's about that. But I think Larry, if he was still alive, if he were with us today, he would say that, that all of that flows out of this one fundamental truth. And that is this idea of two words. New creation. That all of the things that happen to us, happen to us because we are somehow different and new when we sign on to follow this guy named Jesus. Something spiritually, something happens inside of us that is new, that wasn't there before. All of the brokenness, all of your identity that you carried around for years, you sign on to Jesus, and Jesus just says, yeah, I know, it might take some time, but those things are not who you are. Who you are now is who I say you are. And as Mark and us, as as we pastors are fond of saying, you are princes and princesses of the Most High. It's new creation. Something fundamentally different. So when Jesus comes along to his disciples in the the gospel uh, according to Luke, the good news according to Luke, Jesus talks about this idea of something new and, and what it means for your life. And he says this, that a good tree can't produce... Bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil produces, person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And Jesus says that in in essence, when you have signed on to be my follower, when you have said that I am your Lord and your Savior, what you are may not be what you, what you think you are is not what you are any longer because you have changed. A good person, good things, good heart. And that, in a sense, is what Jesus gives us. And that's what people like Larry own at a very deep level level and they just live into it and bring it to life and so we talk a lot about how jesus was this brilliant teacher that that he used metaphor and he used these things called parables and latin and we've talked about how you shouldn't read too much into the parables and you shouldn't make them too literal or you, or you do violence to the text but today i want to do violence to the text and i want to say what if this is literal What if we all sitting here and we're like, well, yeah, I'm a human being. I've got these hurts. I've got these mistakes I've made in my past. But what if Jesus is saying, no, 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 you know what you are? You are a fruit tree. You're a fruit tree. Let's just say that together. Say, I am a fruit tree. You could be a mango. You could be a fig. It doesn't matter. Because the bottom line is what Jesus says is that when you have signed on to him, you are something different. And what Jesus does not say is that you are a factory. Hey, you're a factory. You know what a factory does? A factory churns out the same thing over and over and over. Jesus says, you're not a widget maker. Fruit doesn't always look pretty. Sometimes it's not a perfect circle. Sometimes it might have some, some brown spots on it. But fruit does something in nature that is necessary and beautiful and it tastes good. You're not a factory maker. Jesus also doesn't say, hey, you're a library. Libraries have tons of information in them. People come to them and they sit and they, they, they soak up that information. But you're a lot more than a library. You're not designed to just assemble information about the spiritual life. Jesus says, no, you are a fruit tree. And fruit trees do something and, and bear things out in, in, their, in their existence that are necessary. And, and a fruit tree, the whole metaphor is, is really, it's soaked through the Bible It goes in the Old Testament, there are are fruit trees symbolically. And in about 20, 30 years after Jesus lives, there's a guy by the name of Paul. Paul goes around the Mediterranean starting these little communities of faith. He starts one up, then he goes somewhere else. And then usually when he gets somewhere else, he realizes that he needs to write a letter addressing some problem to one of his earlier communities. And in the book, uh, he writes this letter to a church in a place called Galatia, which I believe is, is near modern-day Turkey. And he writes this letter, when he, and he kind of unpacks this idea of a fruit tree even more. So I want to read what Paul writes in chapter 5 of, of the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. Paul says this, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, and then he goes on to write this, that since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So Paul kind of takes this idea of Jesus saying, hey, you know what? You're designed to produce fruit. Good things can come out of your life. Paul's sort of saying, "Like, and here's what it looks like. Let's get specific. And what I want us to do is take a moment. I want to read that list that Paul has written. So let's just start with the word love and go through self-control. Let's just read it together, shall we? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do those things sound like good things, winning things to anybody here in this room? Would we generally agree that this would make up a pretty well-lived life? This means no, this means yes. Uh, a lot of times when, when you delve into Scripture, you find that there are things hidden in Greek and in Hebrew that don't always come out in English. Uh, there's subtleties that are there this is not one of these times love is love joy is joy gentleness is gentleness so in a sense there's nothing surprising that I can tell you about this list but there are a few a couple a kind of hidden things there that that I will tell you about and the first is this it different translations of the Bible bring it out differently But it looks like this, that Paul starts off and he says, the Holy Spirit produces, and here's the key phrase, this kind of fruit. Did you catch it? I didn't think so. What Paul does not say is that the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit. See, Paul Paul lists a whole list of fruit, but when he sets it up, he says, somehow there's only one fruit, and there's this tension of like, well, it looks like a list, but somehow Paul is saying, there's really just one. See, sometimes in the, in, the, in the New Testament in particular, that the Paul will make a list, or, or somebody will make a list, like we have this thing called spiritual gifts. And there's this idea that God gifts people differently to do things in the church. And so some people have the gift of evangelism, some people have the gift of teaching. Not everybody has all these gifts. Some people only have a couple, some people have three or four. This is not one of those times. Paul seems to be saying. You cannot choose a fruit to have. You either have all of them or you have none of them. That if the Spirit is at work and exists in your life, all of these things are available. But on the flip side, you cannot go through and say, I'll have love. Gentleness, eh, I think I'll pass. You cannot say, Give me some peace, but kindness, not so much. We don't have that option. That the fruit exists in a wholeness and an entirety. And if we think about it, it makes sense. Because can you be a loving person and not be gentle? Can you say, I will be kind? But I'm not so sure that I will have peace. Because if you have kindness to somebody, but inside there's no peace about this kindness, you know what you're doing? You're just faking. You're just white-knuckling your way through an interaction. And that is not the fruit of the Spirit. That somehow it is all going to be present. So the second thing that I would bring out is like, who does the producing of the fruit Paul says that the Holy Spirit produces the fruit. So it's not us. We don't produce the fruit. Our faith doesn't produce the fruit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit. Now, some of you, when I say like, when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, some of you are like checking out because you're thinking about people who are speaking in tongues and waving flags and, and doing a whole bunch of crazy, crazy stuff. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit... Is a part of our lives as believers. We don't talk about him a whole lot, frankly, because let's just face it like, God is, is soaked through the Bible. Jesus is, is pretty easy to at least acknowledge from the Gospels, but the Holy Spirit, like, what is, who is that? And the best I would tell you is if, if you don't know that, that in Christianity we worship this God that is somehow one. And three at the same time. Don't ask me how. I'm not even that good at math. I can't tell you how it works. But that these three parts of God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, are equally God and equally one. You just got to accept it. Sorry. Each of these aspects of God has a different purpose. And one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to produce fruit in our lives. I take it one step further to return back to the list that Paul gives. What's the last thing on the list? Is what self control. Now, if you've been around church for a while, and if you've had these encounters with people who are like, oh, we're we're Holy Spirit people, we're Holy Ghost people, sometimes there's this this idea in the church that the Holy Spirit just kind of magically takes over our lives. And when we get taken over by the Holy Spirit, we don't sin anymore, we never say bad words anymore, we always order the healthy option in restaurants. And and I want to tell you that it's not like that, because if it was, why would Paul need to put in self-control? if our lives just existed as this magical Christian fairyland that we walked around and did things always right, Paul would never have to put in self-control because we would always make the right choice. So the mind-blowing thing about this is that somehow the fruit of the Spirit and, and, and bringing the fruit of the Spirit to bear in our lives, we have a role in it. And it's centered around this idea of self control. We don't just abdicate a a supernatural only experience to the Holy Spirit. We have a role in it. And it looks something like this. This is my fruit tree. This is an apple tree. I can't help it that I'm giving a message about fruit in winter. This is the best we could do. This was, uh, some people loaned this to us who have, who have a landscaping company and they're like, you know you're coming up to get a, a bucket of twigs, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know, I just, I, I gotta have it. This is an apple tree. So, bringing the, the fruit of the Spirit to bear in our lives involves really two activities. A tree needs to kind of uh, engage or be a part of two activities to bear fruit. It needs to be fed it needs to be pruned. And it's no different for us. That to bear fruit in our lives, to see the fruit of the Spirit grow up, we need to be about feeding, and we need to be about pruning. So let me, let me unpack that a little bit. A tree is, is, is in the soil, and in the soil it is looking for food, it is looking for nutrients. It needs these things to come into its life in order to grow. There's a, a cool quote that, that I stumbled across last week. It, it goes something like this. It's by a guy named Lewis Chafer, who is a, a 19th century American theologian. And he writes this, that a dead leaf cannot remain where a new bud is springing, nor can worldliness remain where the blessings of the Spirit are flowing. You see, I thought that just leaves fell off, leaves fell off trees when they were old and the tree didn't need them anymore. But there's another phenomenon, that as the tree gets healthy and begins producing things, that new growth shoves off the leaves. And that these buds that are appearing even on this tree have pushed out the old stuff. And the reason they've done that is because it's taken in food and taken in nutrients. So the first question I would ask us this morning, what are you taking in in your life? Are you waiting around for the Holy Spirit to kind of magically come and be like Tinkerbell and tap you on the shoulder and say, okay, you've got it all now. You'll never sin again. Because you might be waiting a really long time. What are you taking in in terms of food and nutrients into the heart of who you are? Because if you're not taking anything in, it's going to be a long time looking for growth. There might be things in your life that need to be pushed out and they can't be pushed out until you are healthy enough to start bringing things to life inside you. So that's the feeding aspect. But there's this other part of it that involves pruning. This idea that when you have a tree, you have to go into the tree and and shape it and get things out of the tree. And and I learned... uh, quite a bit more about uh, pruning than I've ever thought I would know this week. I just kind of got into it. I went to some YouTube videos and talked to a guy here in our congregation just said, help me explain this thing. And here's one of the interesting things I learned about pruning. That you don't just prune things to get rid of dead stuff. That's what I thought pruning was. That you just kind of went in, you found unhealthy branches and you just got rid of them. Well, I found out there's another reason for pruning. And that reason is that If the heart of the tree is not getting oxygen and getting light, that the fruit of that tree will be small, might not grow that well, won't come to fruition. And as a tree grows, things get obscured. Sunlight cannot get to the heart of the tree. So what you have to go in, you have to go to the tree and you have to find things that may look healthy. They may look like good branches, but they are obscuring the center and the heart of the tree. And you have to go to that tree, and you have to cut it out. And it hurts. You are literally wounding the tree. But you have to so that the tree can produce the fruit that it's designed to produce. So the second question for us this week is... Are there things in your life that look like good things? But ultimately, these things are shading your heart and prohibiting the fruit that is inside you waiting to grow up from growing. And if there are those things, that the self-control part of us needs to go and say, I need to get rid of this. I need more sunshine. I need more light into the heart of who I am so that I can grow. And it's hard, but that's the way it works. See, Jesus came in one of the other Gospels, and he said, he said this mind-blowing thing. He said, I've come so that you can have life, and not just any kind of life, but life that is abundant or full And that fruit of the Spirit is designed to bring about that fullness of life. Life that that people like Larry just got. And some of us would have to say, that is not the type of fruit that I'm producing in my life right now. It just doesn't feel that full. And some of us need to just own up to the fact and just say, you know what, I've got some gardening to do. There's food that I've not taken in. And there's stuff in my life that, to truth be told, is shading what God is doing in my life. And I need to just prune it out. And that's the difficult part. But life abundant waits at the, uh, on the other side. And here's the crazy thing you can start this anywhere, anytime. You might have been walking with God 30 years, 40 years, 10 years. Your life might be awesome. Guess what? You still need to do this. You still need to garden, you still need to seek fruit and prune you might be here this morning and you would be honest if if honestly uh we asked you you would say you know what i'm not even sure god exists and i don't really know about this jesus guy that's just where i'm at that's fine you can start this process no matter where you are no matter where you're at in your life and i would challenge you if that's you this morning take two weeks take three weeks and say for two weeks i'm going to start feeding my soul and we'll get to how in just a minute. For t- through 2 or 3 weeks, I'm just going to feed my soul and I'm going to prune some stuff out of it. And I would challenge you to watch what God will do in your life in that time. Because I've seen it lived out with people like Larry and I see it people here in this room that make radical dis- uh, choices because the new creation that God put in them is there and it's thriving and it's growing. And that tells me this stuff is real, as mysterious as it is. So anywhere, anytime, feeding, pruning. Now specifically, what does it look like? Well, there's some time-tested ways that, that people have always fed themselves and always pruned their lives. And it looks like this, that feeding yourself looks like prayer. How is your prayer life? That it looks like worship, not just coming here and singing songs, but choosing to worship God Monday through Saturday as well. That it looks like service. These are things that as we do them, we take stuff into our lives. We take the truth of God, of who God is, into our lives. I would also say it looks like scripture reading, just taking time to read through the Bible, taking the food in. And watch it push out old stuff in our lives. Now, now pruning looks a, a bit different. And as I said, it, it's harder. It's harder. It hurts. But fasting, and we don't talk about that a lot. But I want to tell you, if you want to test kind of what, what's important to you in your life, decide to fast for a little while. Just say, I'm going to go without food for a certain amount of time. And every time that I feel hungry, I'm going to say, you know what? I wish I hungered for God's presence. I wish I hungered for the fruit of the Spirit as much as I hunger for a cheeseburger right now. Fasting. Sacrifice. Maybe, maybe you're just too comfortable in your life and nothing is, nothing is hard right now. Materially, you have all you need. What if you looked into your life and said, you know what? Somehow, I just need to experience some self-imposed hardship. It could be anything from like, I'm going to walk somewhere where, where I would usually drive. Just giving up something in my life to, 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 to make space. The hard thing about this thing, these are not necessarily bad things in our lives. But leaves don't necessarily look bad when they're covering up the heart of the tree. That's why you have to make an intentional choice. Go, this doesn't look bad, but I'm just going to try it. There's this thing called simplicity which over the centuries has just been a way of referring to people who just are getting rid of clutter in our lives, okay? Like, we have become so gadget-dominated. We've got phones, and we're never out of touch. Maybe you need to be out of touch because your life is going faster and faster and faster, and there's no time to just let the tree grow. Maybe we need to downgrade our cable plan. Watch out. Here we go. Maybe you need to take your cell phone and just go, you know what? For 24 hours, maybe for maybe one hour, who knows? I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to put it right there, and I'll look at it an awful lot. Simplicity. And and I just want to say, if any of these things are speaking to you, there's a lot of resources to how to do it. You don't just, just wander into it blindly. There's resources, probably most of the pastors on staff, have done things like this before and can help you through this. But if you were honest and you were like, you know what, I've got to do some branch removing, some pruning in my life, and i got to take stuff in, this is the part where the fruit of the Spirit says, you know what, you got to do some gardening. You're a fruit tree. If you're not growing fruit, Sometimes we just sit around and go, God, why won't you do this? Why won't you do this? Why won't you do this? And God's certainly saying, like, you're not not feeding yourself. You're not pruning. And it's up to us to exert a little self-control and allow God's spirit to grow inside us. I want to kind of leave you with one thought as as the band comes back up. And this was just kind of blew my mind as I was learning much more about fruit trees than I ever wanted to know this week. Do you know in nature how a tree replicates itself? It replicates itself by the seeds that are contained in the fruit that it bears. And I just stop for a second and think about that. That love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, peace, all contain in them the seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ in them. And as we bear those fruit in our lives, they contain the things that we want to show the world so that people would come closer to this God that we know and we love. The fruit contains the, the way the trees spread and grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Would you guys pray with me? God, uh, life with you has always been this strange dance between things that we watch you do in our life that we cannot explain and things that you call us to do things to bring to life in in, in us and things to cut out in our lives. And we don't understand it, God. And I know for myself even, I wish that there were times when you would have just come along with the magic wand and said, you will sin no more. But that healing takes place over years sometimes, and it takes place as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that if there's anybody in here in this room today that are just is wondering if this stuff is real, God, I, I pray that you would plant a deep uh, sense, I guess, of a willingness to take a step. God, that we would become gardeners, that we would learn to feed ourselves and cut things out of our lives, even when they don't look bad, but that we would trust that, that the heart of us needs food and needs oxygen and light to produce fruit, God. I pray that we would do this in our own lives. I pray that we would do this as a community, God. And I trust that you'll be here in these next moments, God, speaking to us as Evan leads us, as we sing words to you, God. May you come really close and speak very clearly. Amen.